Hello, hello. This is Travel Along Podcast. I'm your host, Laura Lisensky, and this is part three of my Costa Rican adventure. Today, we're going to visit Puerto Viejo de Talamanca in the Limon province of Costa Rica. That's on the eastern or Caribbean side of Costa Rica. So as I was researching my trip, planning to go to Costa Rica, I knew I wanted to go somewhere in the mountains, and I knew I wanted to go somewhere on the beach. And it became pretty clear that I had to choose between the east and west coast of Costa Rica. Unless you have plenty of time, both would be great. A quick internet search will suck you into the whole east coast, west coast debate. But it seems like most tourists go to the west coast. The beaches sound like they're nicer. A lot of a lot of foreigners live on the west coast. Uh, and I had read that the east coast is more of a backpacking scene. I was imagining it kind of off the beaten track. It turns out nowhere's off the beaten track in Costa Rica is what I have since learned. And I teach high school and one of my students lives in Costa Rica. Shout out to Sabrina. And I said something about going to the off the beaten track part of Costa Rica where it's less developed. And she surprised me by telling me that the East Coast, in her view, is actually a lot more developed. Um, It's got bigger cities. It has more people actually living there. And the West Coast is smaller cities, um, more kind of ecotourism, lodges, more pristine beaches, things like that. You definitely don't need a rental car to go to the West Coast, but I think that would be a great way to explore it if you could really um, go wherever you wanted. But in the end, what really drew me to the East Coast was the culture. There's an Afro-Caribbean culture, folks mostly descended from Jamaica, And I was interested to see how this contrasted with other cultures in Costa Rica. As well as eat some Caribbean food is always good. Um, So the history is that in the 1870s, uh, with all the coffee plantations and exporting that was happening, uh, there was a railroad that was built from San Jose to Puerto Limon, which is the biggest city on the East Coast and a major port. Um, So they brought in all these workers to build the railroad. Um, Primarily in the beginning, it was Chinese and then uh, Indian and then Italian workers, uh, but everyone kept dying of yellow fever. So they then brought in folks from Jamaica thinking that they would be immune to yellow fever. Um, So a lot of folks came to work on the railroads. Um, It was built for coffee, but banana plantations were planted all along the railroad in order to help funded as well. There was the United Fruit Company, which is now Chiquita Banana, uh, that started there. Um, So as I was going to Tortuguero um, on my bus, I passed through a town called Siquires, and I learned that that was kind of the railway hub back in the day, um, and that this is where the Black railroad workers would have to swap places with their lighter skinned counterparts because it was actually illegal for black folks to go beyond 
there into the valley up until 1949. Um, so there is, as often a dark history behind it um, and a reason that this Afro-Caribbean culture is pretty much existing mostly on the East Coast. But the people I met there were amazing. The vibe was totally different once you got to the coast. Um, all of a sudden we had calypso music and reggae everywhere, people speaking English, um, but similar to a Jamaican accent with a lot of different words that sometimes made it hard to understand. Well, I've finally left the rainforest and come where it is sunny and hot. I'm in Puerto Viejo. This is my first full day here. I'm currently sipping a passion fruit margarita by the ocean and relaxing after a great morning. So let me tell you about arriving in Puerto Viejo. So Puerto Viejo is not a huge city. It's fairly small, but it's got one main street that the highway goes through right down by the ocean, which is pretty busy. So upon first impressions, it seemed a little busy, a little dirty, um, but a really lively place. Um, so I'm, I'm growing to love it and I think I'm going to be happy where I am. But another place you might consider staying is Cahuita, which is just slightly north of Puerto Viejo. There's a national park there. Um, and there, I didn't realize that there was actually a little town there with some restaurants. And, and it was a pretty, pretty cute, small, quieter place. So if that's more your speed, consider staying in Cahuita. If you stay in Puerto Viejo... There are tons of options, uh, lots of great hostels and hotels, as well as higher end places to stay as well, which as usual tend to be outside of town. I'm staying in Pagalu Hostel. Um, it's a great place. Uh, it's a place that is quieter at night, which can be refreshing, uh, but it's right in town. So I've got a supermarket right across the street. It's very convenient. Um, and they have a lot of nice little touches. They've got filtered water. The room is the nicest of the hostels I've stayed in so far in Costa Rica. Um, yeah, it's a lovely, lovely little place. Um, or you can stay in some of the hostels that are more on the edge of town and then you get some more beach access. Um, like there is a Selena here as well, um, which is about a kilometer outside of town. So not too far to walk, but what everyone does here is that you rent a bike. Um, there are tons of places you can do that from, including most hostels. So I paid 2000 colones this morning to rent a bike. And so it seems like either you're gonna stay on the edge of town and ride your bike in for what you need and stay on the beach at night, or you're going to stay in town. And the beaches in town are fine, but you're also going to want to see some, some beaches outside of town. So I rented a bike so that I could do that. 
So I woke up today without any real plans for what I was going to do. And so I decided I wanted to check out the Jaguar Resource Center, which, despite its name, does not have jaguars, but has all kinds of other animals from the area. Uh, so it's about four kilometers outside of town. So I decided to rent a bike and tootled my way up to the Jaguar Resource Center. Um, it's a little bit pricey. It's $22, uh, but it's a two-hour tour um, where they take you around and show you all the animals. Um, and you're also supporting what seems like a pretty great business as well that helps rehabilitate animals that are injured or were pets or things like that and get as many as possible out into the wild. And then the ones that they can't become part of the tour that, that I went on this morning. So I would definitely recommend checking this place out and the bike ride to get there was beautiful as well. Créanlo, ¿no? Este es el animal nacional de Costa Rica. Sí. ¿Cómo se llama? Venado de cola blanca. White-tailed deer. The same white-tailed deer that is in the station in Canada that people can hunt every single time and here it's completely illegal. I was totally surprised to learn that the white-tailed deer is the national animal of Costa Rica. Este es el mono más grande de América y el, el cuarto mono más inteligente del mundo. Solamente detrás del bonobo, chimpancé, orangután y luego siguen los monos arañas. El mono araña es tan inteligente porque cada tropa en el bosque maneja su propio lenguaje. Pueden comunicarse entre ellos. Poseen aproximadamente alrededor de 50 tipos distintos de vocalizaciones. Here we're meeting some spider monkeys. He's telling us that they are the fourth most intelligent primate mostly because uh, each troop has their own vocalizations um, and they have 50 different vocalizations to communicate different things. In the case of Gigi Paco, in 2018, Minae, what they said was, if you have animals as mascots, we will give you the option to give them to you and nothing will happen, you won't get the price. But for example, from here, so we're meeting a lot of animals that used to be pets. Uh, we heard the story of a few different monkeys in particular. Um, this howler monkey that we met used to be a pet. He was brought to the supermarket each day to take photos with tourists um, and constantly bothered by the flash. Um, another monkey had nothing to eat but rice and beans and Coca-Cola. Um, when they got him, he couldn't properly walk and he just walked in circles. Um, so there's a lot of rehabilitation that happens in this place and when they can, they release them. We met another spider monkey uh, that they were just waiting to reach sexual maturity until they release her into the national park. So they're relatively close to Tortuguero where we were in the last episode and that's where a lot of their animals get released. Also, you can call them for dangerous animals. If you have a snake or a caiman on your property, you can call them and they'll relocate it for you. Um, and any animals that they can't rehabilitate end out in the center. And sometimes the group dynamics can get a little complicated. No, they hate each other. <laughs> I mean, you know, they're both alphas. And uh, Paco can be with Nerea, he can be with Gigi, but... 
sometimes when, for example, if I go with Gigi and I'm grooming Gigi, and then I go and groom Nerea, Gigi will be on the fence like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, so I have to be really careful. Probably my favorite part of this tour was the sloths, which included some baby sloths. They called it the sloth kindergarten because sloths can't regulate their body temperature very well when they're babies. Uh, they had all these different shaded areas and they had the sloths separated by age. Just so many little tiny sloths hanging on there in the shade on a hot day. But my other favorite part wasn't even part of the tour. I love insects and one of my favorite insects I've ever seen, I saw in Kenya and it's called an antlion and it buries itself down in the dirt. And the way you can recognize it is it's a little uh, cone shaped hole and the ants will fall down into it and they will whip around this appendage to grab the ants and eat them. So I saw these little cone shaped holes underneath the displays on the ground and had to ask about them. Sometimes we just look around and we see ants dodging the, the horse whenever they fall. You see them trying to escape. And then the ant, is, I think it's a lion ant or something. Yeah, lion. Yeah. And then they just go up, grab the prey, and just on the a través de esa prueba de sangre descubrimos que él tiene eh, leucemia felina y sida felino. El sida específicamente, el síndrome de inmunodeficiencia, puede ser transmitido a otros felinos a través de la orina y el semen. So here we're meeting a beautiful ocelot that unfortunately has both feline leukemia as well as AIDS. So they're keeping him in the um, in the center. They can't release him because uh, he could spread HIV to other cats. So as you may have noticed, our tour guide here was fantastic. His name was Luis Garcia, and he moved to Costa Rica from Nicaragua. Here he is talking about why he likes it here. But uh, to be fair, I think this is an amazing place. Not just the center, Costa Rica itself. Yeah. In Puerto Viejo, people, they come, they leave all the stress, everything behind. And uh, I don't know, people are happy. You have the beach up front, a bunch of wild animals. If you want to get lost, you can do like yoga or stuff. Right. I don't know. Yeah. I love it. It's great. Now I plan to spend the rest of the day just slowly making my way back these four kilometers on my bike and stopping places along the way. My first stop, I decided it's noon. It's time for a drink on the beach. I'm chilling, watching the waves. And I plan to, yeah, just kind of make my way down, stopping at, at bars and restaurants and beaches and see what I find. That's my day.
So there's a path through the forest along the beach that you can take from town, uh, which takes you to some of the hostels. And now I'm walking to a place where I'm going to do a chocolate tour. But I stopped because I just heard howler monkeys. So I'm walking back that way to see. see them oh, oh I'm sorry <laughs> I, I came up quietly to try and not scare the monkeys <laughs> yeah we found this guy do you see him no I can hear them but I okay so it's see. not this tree right here okay but if you come stand right here you could uh, go backwards towards my hand yeah he's black and he's like in another set of trees towards the sky like this black oh, mass. I see him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think it's howler monkeys based that's on that sound. That's what I think sounds. too. That's that's what I think too. I have no idea that he has so much. If you if you watch him, he kind of does this little thing like this when he does the Oh, that's cool. I mean, I'm sure there's others. It's just that's the one that we probably talking to somebody. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> so warning everybody. Yeah. So cool. Just so cool. So it's now my second full day in Puerto Viejo. And I decided I wanted to uh, tour this chocolate farm. Uh, they're called Carabines. They grow chocolate. They make their own chocolate. Uh, and they have a nice little coffee shop as well. So they're about a kilometer south of town. Um, and I was really glad that I discovered this path that I could walk down instead of walking down the main road. It was a, a lovely way to get there in the morning. So I got there, I signed up for a chocolate tour, and as I waited, uh, I got some coffee and uh, some granola that they make there that includes some nibs from their chocolate farm, and it was really good. Highly recommend going to this place. Uh, so here you'll hear some conversations with Dan, our tour guide. Like in coffee, it's caffeine, right? Caffeine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Theobromine. Exactly. Theobromine. Theobromine is like the active ingredient of cacao. So, you know what's the reason why they say cats and dogs they shouldn't eat chocolate? They say it's like not good for them. Because humans can digest theobromine good, like no problem. But in cats and dogs, if they eat theobromine, it will stay too long in their system and it gets toxic and then they have a huh. problem and they can die. Or You know how the white chocolate is made? No. no. <laughs> I know. They always is say it even that chocolate? there's not really cacao in it. Uh, it has, well, I'm going to explain this right a moment. Let's look white chocolate so the the bean of the cacao like the bean yeah. 
They say it's fifty percent powder and fifty percent butter. Okay. Oh. Okay. Uh-huh. So in a bean from cacao, it's like fifty-fifty. So in Holland, they made a machine that presses out the butter from the bean. Okay. And just leaves it. So the butter, what comes out of it, mm-hmm. they use this butter. They add milk, sugar, and flavor. I don't yeah. know, and they make the white chocolate out okay. of it. But it is cacao. But it's just the butter from the cacao. So when I imagined a chocolate farm, I don't know what chocolate trees look like. I didn't know what chocolate trees look like then. Uh, But I imagined something, you know, clear cut with rows of things planted. Um, And this was cool because it was really just the forest with a bunch of cocoa trees planted within it. So we were walking around on paths. We were going up and down hills. We were surrounded by other vegetation as well and all kinds of wildlife. So it was cool. It was a really, felt like a really sustainable way to do it because it was still within the forest. So at one point, my insect loving self got excited again because we found a bullet ant nest. Let me see there. When it's rainy, you see them more. But right now, it's good. They have a nest somewhere in there. You don't so, want to put your hand there. Yeah, there. I don't want to get too close like to that. Walking around. Are they really big? Oh, wow. Yeah, that's big. big mostly, <laughs> yeah. Monster ants. <laughs> that's like an inch or more. Maybe when we come back, they can be a one. I do want to see one. Oh, look who is up there. Sloth. There's a sloth? You're fast as falling. I know. <laughs> <laughs> they only eat leaves like younger shoots from specific trees. Mm-hmm. Normally the digestion system from the sloth they say similar like from a cow. You know, the cow has like more yeah. stomach where the food goes and goes around and around. They have like several compartments where the leaves go and they need to digest it, say around a month. I don't know if it's true. Huh. Once a week, they come down from the tree mm-hmm. to do like poo and pee. They don't do it from up there. They come down like on the root and they do it on the bottom. Huh. Once a week. Maybe you need steak something, you know. <laughs> <laughs> How many hours what? it takes to digest the food for now? They say it takes around a month. So it goes around and around and around. I couldn't tell really. I'm no scientific or that. Yeah, I think it's true. So they say in the tree, uh, three meters per minute speed. Okay. On the floor, like how they they don't walk like dogs, they crawl, you know? So they can take two meters per minute, that's what they say. Have you ever seen a sloth on the ground? Every time, they're everywhere, just have to be lucky. Sometimes he wants to go down from here and go there, so it will be like going down. But he's not so friendly. The sloth has a big claw like this. So if you try to pick him up, he can hurt you very bad. So I did some research and he's right that sloths have chambers in their stomach, similar to a cow, uh, but they have four chambers. And 
it takes them on average two weeks to digest their food, although it can take up to a month. Back in the days, the natives here, I guess like all Central America, use cacao as a currency, like money. The seeds inside, the seed, they would take a hundred seed or two hundred seed, exchange it for like a chicken or for a fish or for something, it had value. So, in 1502, 1519 or 20, when the first conquistadors came like to Central America, okay, they came and they saw the natives here, they had cacaos as money in a way and had it to like a in spiritual purpose. What I mean with this is like only the high range from the indigenous tribe, they can actually consume cacao. Not anybody could like drink or eat it, okay? So like the, like the kings or the warriors or whatever, they can drink it, you know? Why? Like the chaman or, yeah, he would like drink it for, come with God. Uh, the warriors, before they go to war, to fight or something, they drink it to get energy. So they can go, or when they come like all like beat up or, or tired, they drink it to recover. So actually cacao is known as a superfood. So they say actually when you're depressed, when you have problem with depression, eat a lot of chocolate, it's gonna make you like animate you again. Yeah. Yeah. Good. <laughs> That's a thing. Yeah. So especially chocolate ice cream. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so actually, talking back in the days, cacao wasn't known as a bar. We didn't have like a bar, so they would drink it liquid. Okay, they would like ground the bean, put herbs in it. They didn't have no sugar, so it was just herbs, spice, spice, um, spices, herbs and stuff. So when you actually drink it, it won't be like a pleasant taste probably. Like now, you know, you eat it sweet, nice. Yes. Back in the day was something you drink and probably were like, ah, you don't want no more. I don't know, yeah. <laughs> so when the first conquistadors came, like how I said, only like high range could drink it. They actually thought the conquistador, they were like gods, you know. So they would come with the drink, offer it to honor them, you know. But when the conquistador tried it, they're like, nah, we don't like this. You know, we want your gold, your precious rocks, what you have with Wally so we can take. So in, in Mexico, by the Aztecs, when Hernan Cortes, a Spaniard conquistador, came there, they offered him the drink, he tried it, he didn't like it, he wanted gold, so he killed all the Aztecs, okay, to take the gold and take the rocks. But what happened, he didn't find like plenty gold, he found like a mountain of bean of cacao. <laughs> so he took it in the ship, took everything, he took the recipe or probably somebody that knew the recipe, you know. So the point is, since he reached there, it went like worldwide more popular, yeah. So, let me see. Wanna open it? Mm -hmm. <laughs> open. Open it. Wanna eat it? Oh, it's hard. Look, with the rock no. there. Yeah. Uh, only this? Bah! Yeah. Okay. It's okay. It's okay? It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That now you guys good. can go taste it. Take one. You can one, put it in one half. One minute. You can give some. 
No, I'm good every day. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's good, yeah. So, the seed, you can eat it, but it's going to get bitter and it's going to get a little slimy. I can but, eat the seed? It's good. Can I? It's gonna get. Do you want it? Yeah, yeah. Oh. It's gonna get bitter and yum, like slimy, but it's it's fine. It's okay. Mm. If you don't like it, you can spit it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah? It's good. It's a little sour. And when but you it's spit not it sour. out, look at it. I want you to see it. <laughs> oh yeah, just bitter in the middle. Aha! Mm. Uh-huh. What happened? It's purple. Uh-huh. Ew. Purple? <laughs> <laughs> I'll spit mine over here. <laughs> Oh, it's very purple. That's crazy. <laughs> oh, I spit on a spider. <laughs> the most interesting thing, how you make chocolate from it. Yeah, it's coming. It's mm. a process. It has to go step by step. Mm. So it, Yeah, uh, the seeds are not good. Yeah, but like, I like the fruit. So the, 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 purple the white ins- is very good. Yeah, the purple inside, they say, is from the amount of antioxidants mm-hmm. in it. Yeah, mm-hmm. so it gives it a purpley color inside. Okay, hmm. so normally, how I said, when the fermentation area, so what happened, the workers would come here, sit. So these boxes you see here, mm-hmm. like this one, there's nothing in it, okay? But in this box, they cover it with banana leaves. In the inside, like the whole flooring, they mm-hmm. put banana leaves. 2,000 fruits, what they can pick around. They open them, only the seeds inside. Okay. They take out, you know, and put inside. Almost full. And so what will happen? They will leave it there. Here, I think they leave it seven days ferment, fermenting. Seven days? Seven days fermenting. So what happened? The fruit, the pulp has sugar on it, okay? So with the yeast that is in the air, mm-hmm. the fruit flies, they put like enzymes in it, so it makes a perfect um, condition to ferment. Hmm. So you don't have to add anything inside it. Only what's in the air, what's there will start to ferment. After two or three days, it started to get hot in the inside. We reached like around 46 degrees Celsius, 45, 46 degrees Celsius inside. Mm-hmm. So what happened is like cooking the bean, okay? Mm. So actually if you put your hand inside, you feel it warm inside, nice, you know? Yeah. So you have to stir it around, like cooking, you move your food, yeah. you know, so everything cooks well because the heat starts from the center out. So you need to like move the bean so everything cooks the right way. <laughs> Why fermenting? Okay, the fermenting, what it does, the bean, you just try the bean, is bitter, right? Like bitterish. So what happens if you ferment the bean less days, like say four or five days, the bean is going to be more bitter. If you ferment the bean 10 days, it gets less bitter. Okay, so everything depends on the farmer. Like here, seven days. Maybe in your farm, you ferment it for 10 days because you say 10 days is perfect fermentation for your chocolate. No, I say mine is seven days. So, you know, everybody knows, they're, like it's by wine, you know, everybody has their secret and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's the same with the cacao. Every farmer has their days of fermentation. Good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So from fermenting here, it needs to go to dry. After seven days fermenting in here in the box, mm-hmm. take it out. And we can go inside here and we can see how they do, okay? Yeah. 
Yeah. It's a little hot. We just go in and we can come out to the other side. It's like a little greenhouse. So you guys can take one, try to get like a little thicker one, not like this flat, you know. Mm. Try to get a thicker one like this and come and we go back to the shade, okay? Yeah. Okay. So these have already been fermented and then they've been dried. Yeah, fermented and now dry. These have been there drying I think a month, I mean too long. Normally it takes two weeks, two and a half weeks, mm -hmm. but it's still so you guys can see, okay? So you crack it in half. There is like a little shell around, like a little skin, you know? Does it taste like chocolate? For you? Mm -hmm. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. So these are the nibs, okay? The same way like a coffee bean tastes like coffee, mm -hmm. but it's yeah. not that good. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. kind of similar. <laughs> <laughs> so now when we're gonna go up there, at the viewpoint, we're gonna try chocolate. They come out from different farms, okay? They all have 72% cacao and 28% cane sugar added. No flavors, only this. But the thing is, the, uh, the farmers, they ferment it different. Mm. They come from different areas. So, and even the variety can be different. One can have more butter inside so what makes it more creamier or less butter, more dry. So from there, we hiked through the chocolate farm a little bit more. Uh, we headed up to a viewpoint where we got to try so many different kinds of chocolate. I was actually tired of chocolate by the end. Uh, first, we tried like six different kinds of chocolate that were all the exact same percentage cacao, but had been from different farms, fermented for different amounts of times. And it was really interesting to see how you could taste the difference between those. And then we tried a bunch of kinds of chocolate that they made at Carabines, uh, different flavors of chocolate and things. And we got to try a chocolate drink as well. Um, from there, they showed us the whole chocolate making process, how they roast the beans, grind them, um, how they mix the chocolate, how they have to temper the chocolate. Um, a really cool tour. Um, and of course, I bought a lot of chocolate to bring home as gifts as well. So I had read in my guidebook that there was this kind of Caribbean stew called Rondon, R-O-N-D-O-N, that you could get on the coast. Uh, so I had been looking for it ever since I got to Tortuguero, and I saw it on tons of menus, but the restaurant would never actually have it. So this morning, as I was walking towards the chocolate tour, I came across a restaurant that wasn't open yet, but had a little sandwich board out in front saying Rondon was their specialty. So I went back, found someone cooking in the kitchen and confirmed that they actually were making Rondon and then it would be ready at noon. So on my way back, walking back from the chocolate tour, I stopped at this restaurant. So here I am at Soda El Ranchito. 
It's on the path down by the water. Beautiful little restaurant, highly recommended. Little family business. Uh, and I'm talking to Orving, who's the chef. Well, the rundown is like um, is a Caribbean food because well, it's coconut. It make with coconut milk. That's the base of the soup. And then you we use veggies like yuca, yampi, um, plantains. And uh, the what is like the meat part of it is seafood. Mm -hmm. Can be crabs, can be fish, can be lobster, can be shrimps, or all together. Okay. Here I see there's fish and mussels, maybe. Uh huh. Or uh huh. Okay. It's very good. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yes, it it takes a long time to make. Not so long, but uh, the process is a little tricky. You know, you got to get the coconut, hox the coconut, chip the coconut, grate the coconut, then squeeze out the juice out of the coconut uh, trash when you grate it. And then uh, if you grate eight coconut, then your add might be like um, 16 liter of water to those eight coconuts. Okay. And you, you cook with that. You know? I cook. For for example, I, everything I cook, I make a little coconut milk in it. Yeah. Make it a special taste. So the rundown is real Caribbean food because where you get the coconut, then you can make a rundown. Where you get the fish, you can make the rundown. So people in the past didn't have much here to do to put together. You know, so they would go and catch some breadfruit, some coconut, some plantains, a couple of fish, and that's mm -hmm. the rundown. I run over together. here, I run over there, and put those things together. <laughs> Is that where the name comes from? That's where the name run, comes from. Like, like in English, run down? Run down. Okay. Uh, cool. It's like a stew, you know? Yeah. Also, it's come, be, come to be a run down because boil it down to a stew. Uh, so that's that's why I know about you right now. Wow, that's great. Yeah. Thank you so much. Welcome. So I think that this Rondon stew is one of the best things I've ever eaten. It's thick and creamy with the starchy vegetables and the coconut milk. Um, the seafood in there was really good. And they served it with this spicy pepper sauce that just had this amazing flavor too. I felt so lucky to have stumbled upon this place. It's 5 a.m. and I'm about to take my bus to San Jose this morning. Uh, but I can hear howler monkeys. So after three beautiful days in Puerto Viejo, I was moving on to my final stop, San Jose. If you want to see pictures from my trip, you can follow me on Instagram, Travel Along Podcast, 
You can also email me at travelalongpodcast at gmail.com if you have any questions for me, or you can send me audio clips and I'll include them on the show. Thank you for listening. Uh, Because Puerto Viejo, part of its charm comes from the backpacker culture of people that visit there. So I would like to send you out with this random girl singing on the bus. Thanks for listening. Amo la niña que hay en mí, me río, disfrutamos la tentación.